Welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. We're dispensing stories of success from across the continuum of care. I'm your host, Hillary Blackburn. Thanks for joining us to learn from leaders throughout the pharmacy industry. Hey listeners, in this episode, you'll hear from a pharmacy startup who is helping take pharmacists from pills to patients. All right, so today we have a special guest on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Our guest, Sam Andereg, PharmDMS, is the Chief Executive Officer at DocStation, a software platform that helps pharmacies and health plans operate clinical programs at scale. As CEO, Dr. Andereg plays an active role in product strategy, business development, marketing, and customer engagement. Sam graduated with distinction from the University of Iowa College of Pharmacy and completed residency training and a combined master's degree program specializing in pharmacy administration and leadership at the University of Kansas Health System. Sam, welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Hi, Hillary. It's really great to be here. Well, thanks for joining us, Sam. And now that our, our listeners have heard a little bit about your background, maybe you could fill in any gaps from that intro or share a bit about your personal life. Yeah, I'd be happy to. I think uh, the main thing is, you know, when I graduated pharmacy school, I followed kind of a traditional trajectory, right? You look at residency programs that you want to um, attend after graduation, which I did. And then I took a, a traditional job, an entry-level um, pharmacy manager position, uh, at an academic health center down in Augusta, Georgia. Um, during that entire time, I was exploring interests outside of you know this traditional path or track that I was on. And a lot of that revolved around health IT or health tech. And so I got involved in a project as a student, um, continued to work on that, eventually um, developed that into a little side gig and got paid for it. And that's where I really learned everything about health IT, the the larger ecosystem, um, how uh, quality impacts payment, and that ultimately led me to to start the company. So um, it's really interesting. Uh, I I feel grateful to have the opportunity to explore those things in addition to this traditional track and and bring it all together at DocStation. Yeah, awesome. Well, thanks for, for giving a little bit of background because it is helpful for people to connect the dots on, you know, you go from from student pharmacist to pharmacy administration uh, resident, and next thing you know, you're CEO. So um, sometimes paths are a little bit circuitous, and um, I think it is helpful to have a little bit of that traditional experience so that you kind of understand, have a good foundation, and kind of can understand how the system works. So um, Sam, we got to meet at the PQA annual meeting. And, you know, one of the, the things that I love most about conferences is the chance to connect with other pharmacists who are passionate about pharmacy and doing innovative things in the profession. DocStation um, was there, very present. Tell us about, you know, first off, what is DocStation and, um, you know, what are some of the things that you're trying to accomplish there? Yeah, so the 10-second the elevator pitch is, DocStation is the clinical platform that gets pharmacies paid for services. And so that's usually a good way to start a conversation about what we're trying to accomplish here. 
Um, our whole goal is to make pharmacists an extension of the primary care team. How do we get them more involved in care, get them paid for care so they can expand that and really turn those 60,000 brick and mortar pharmacies we have around this country into destinations for primary care to solve some of the access problems that we're seeing in the healthcare system today. Um, so it, it's been it's been a, a fun journey. I feel like uh, the PQA meeting has just been really, really great for us because it brings together a variety of different stakeholders who are trying to solve the same problems. And those stakeholders include, you know, providers or, or pharmacies that um, are trying to solve this problem. Uh, health plans who are very interested in, in quality and how pharmacists fit into that equation. And then vendors who are trying to help both of these parties solve those problems. And so we've just had a great time, um, you know, uh, showing up at PQA meetings, getting to know all the, the members. And that turns into just pretty magical conversations. Yeah, that's awesome. So yes, one of one of the goals is of course to help advance provider status for pharmacists. Could you maybe share a little bit about why you care about that and specifically, you know, maybe some some other things that you're doing to help accomplish that? Yeah, I think, you know, personally it's really important to me because, you know, back when I was in school, when I was trying to think about what I wanted to do with my career, I wanted to be a direct patient care provider, right? And we go through all of this training, rigorous training, to set us up to take those positions, you know, moving forward. And a lot of those are, uh, a lot of those positions exist in hospitals and health systems today, you know, post-residency type situations. Um, but there's little, very few positions out there that I know of that are direct primary care, right? So pharmacists that are in the outpatient setting, maybe even the retail pharmacy setting, who are spending, you know, 90 to hundred percent of their time focused on patient care. Um, and when you get out of pharmacy school, kind of reality hits you and you realize that a majority of the positions out there are still very much focused on the dispensing process and just kept asking questions about, you know, why that is, uh, why that was. And, um, once, you, once you start, asking those questions and researching, you start uncovering or peeling back different layers of the onion. And I think what, you know, a lot of people might not know is that, um, you know, we've been advocating for provider status on the federal level for years and years, right? And it's hard to actually get something like that passed, especially when the Congressional Budget Office, you know, estimates that, you know, tens of billions of dollars would be added to, uh, you know, the federal budget if pharmacists, you know, one day flip the switch and, and now your providers. Mm -hmm. What's interesting is, is that, you know, when there's not movement on the, on the federal level, the states jump into action. And so <clears throat> what we see is that, you know, there's 22 states out there that have passed legislation that essentially makes pharmacists providers, not, not in the sense of just the word, they've got provider status, but they've put some teeth behind that legislation. Meaning if the pharmacist can figure out a way to bill the insurance company, CPT codes, kind of the same way that physicians and other mid-level providers do, then by law, the health insurance company is required to pay the pharmacist to do that. And so I think the interesting part about all this is that, you know, we have provider status. We have it in 22 states, um, which is almost half of the country. And uh, what we're trying to do is, you know, um, you know, leverage that legislation that has passed and really implement and turn it into to action and have patients receive more care at the pharmacy 
and get these pharmacies thinking more about clinical services and how they expand those. Yeah, that, that's really helpful. So Sam, you've mentioned services a couple of times. Could you speak to what are some of the services that you know pharmacists that are signed up with DocStation are providing? Yeah, I think um, <clears throat> if you take a step back and think about it, there's a lot of services that are provided inside the pharmacy today and, uh, and, and have been for a very long time. And the reality is, is that we've just never had an easy way to get paid for those services. So I'll give you some examples, right? Pharmacies administered 230 billion vaccines, COVID vaccines throughout the pandemic. And all the pharmacies recouped the cost of the actual vaccine, that product, but no one got paid for the 2 billion minutes that we spent getting out of the dispensing workflow and actually administering those vaccines to the patient. So what we're trying to do is turn those 2 billion minutes into $2 billion, put that in the pharmacy's pocket so they can use that to repurpose it and, and grow and expand clinical services. Um, and so <clears throat> um, <clears throat> we think that's a huge opportunity and we want to do as much as we possibly can to enable pharmacists to provide that type of care. So we know that the healthcare system can be a little complex. Uh, and, you know, we've, uh, pharmacists have struggled <laughs> because we have not necessarily been recognized as providers at the federal level. Although, as you mentioned, uh, we've already made much headway within this, at the state level. Something that I love about kind of this model that, you know, you've created is that you're taking an approach of, you know, kind of being the intermediary and, and solving that because, you know, it's hard for pharmacists to go out and contract with health plans individually. But if you can kind of, you know, it's, it's the chicken or, or the egg, like we got to sign up these, these pharmacies that are going to provide the services. And then we work with the health plans uh, to get paid. Can you tell us a little bit about how that works? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, pharmacies have a lot of things to worry about uh, on a day-to-day. -day. And the more we dig into how to solve this problem for payment for services, just the more kind of complex the web gets, right? Um, fortunately, I'm the type of person, I think, you know, the people that are, that are on our team as well, they thrive in that complexity. And so what we are aiming to do is just put all of that kind of burden about, you know, the research and the contracting and the credentialing and the enrollment and the collaborative practice agreements and all of these things that are really the playbook for a pharmacy to be in a position to provide care um, to patients and get paid to do that. If we can put that burden on our shoulder, figure it out and make it really simple and easy for a pharmacy to say, hey, I want to provide more care to patients. I don't necessarily know how to do that. I need a partner to help me walk through this. Mm -hmm. That's the type of position that we want to be in. So, you know, there's, there's multiple different elements, multiple different ways that pharmacies can get paid. And I feel like, you know, that has been a big challenge and a big barrier to getting to the place that we want to be where, you know, pharmacists are providers all across the country. And if not, in, at least in these 22 states that have passed these laws on payment mandates. Um, and so, with uh, you know, medical billing is definitely a route and an option in those 22 states. And then outside of all those 22 states, I mean, there's, there's nothing preventing us from directly contracting with, with payers 
um, to run a value-based program. And so we're trying to kind of link these two payment opportunities, these payment streams together, streamline them in a very simple, very easy workflow so the pharmacies can focus on, you know, what they, what they want to do and what they do best, which is taking care of the patient. Yeah. So something else that you guys have added to the equation of, you know, being able to streamline the process of, of providing the services document and then get paid is that, is that you have a revenue cycle management component as well. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah. I think that just really helps to, to fit all the pieces together. Um, so Sam, how do you guys go out and target pharmacies to participate and, and what's been some of the uh, feedback and, and the adoption rate uh, yeah. across the country? Yeah. You know, it, it's funny because, um, you know, transitioning into like from healthcare into, uh, you, know, you know, I guess, quote unquote, traditional tech or startup world, there are different best practices in which, you know, startups um, figure out their distribution strategy. How do they get their software into the hands of, of people who need it and want to use it? And um, those practices are, they're interesting and they're enlightening, but you have to really build your implementation plan, your growth plan based on who your target audience is. And, and for us, it's pharmacies. And so, you know, you can run targeted ads on, you know, Facebook or, or Google, but all that's impersonal. And what we're doing is extremely personal. So our approach has been, and what we've been most successful with is just showing up, showing up at, you know, state meetings, state pharmacy association meetings, you know, basically going door to door and meeting these pharmacies and figuring out what they're trying to do, what their struggles are and how we can help them uh, expand, you know, their clinical services offering. And so that sort of personal touch is really important to us. It's really part of our ethos. And what we're doing now is, is trying to figure out, okay, you know, what state do we want to focus on next? Because you can't boil the ocean, right? You want to focus on, you know, one state kind of at a time and you want to get to know those people in those, that state, what they're trying to accomplish and how we can come to the table and be a true partner. So I feel like, you know, that's our, that's our, you know, what we're trying to accomplish moving forward. Right. So your, your home state is Iowa, but you're currently in Texas. How, how does that look in both of those states? Yeah, it's really interesting. So Iowa, I feel like is, you know, I'm very fortunate to a grow up in Iowa and B go to the university of Iowa college of pharmacy. Um, the culture and the community around pharmacy in Iowa is the strongest that I've, I've seen or experienced in the entire United States. You've got a great pharmacy association led by Kate Gaynor. You've got two great universities in Drake and Iowa, and you've got a, just a progressive mindset. When that, when you take a, take a step back and kind of look at the environment for pharmacists to provide care, Iowa is kind of a, a little bit behind the ball compared to other states. So, you know, there, there's not necessarily a payment mandate in place. Um, so pharmacists can't, you know, um, you know, freely kind of bill the health insurance company, um, but they're on their way, right? They're, they're passing things like, you know, technician verification of prescriptions, which is going to, you know, essentially free up a ton of time for the pharmacist to provide more care. And I think you've got an environment where payers are willing to come to the table to have those conversations about, you know, contracting outside of the medical billing route. 
Now, when you compare that to Texas, you got a huge state, a ton of pharmacies, and they were, you know, one of the one of the first states to to pass a payment mandate that includes both Medicaid and the commercial population. And so, when you look at opportunities, you know, Texas, it's, it's our backyard. And what we want to do is start building those relationships and figuring out how we how we implement here. Um, and the implementation is a lot uh, can can happen a lot quicker in these you know quote unquote provider status states. And so. Um, again, going back to the kind of that priority and that focus, you know, which state is the most important to kind of focus on first and then second and then third. And that's that's what we're what we're managing here. So really looking forward to to doing more in Texas in the near future. Yeah, awesome. Uh, so, Sam, how do you position kind of when? Well, first off, I love that you said that this is a very personal approach because, you know, that relationship building and you kind of hear about, you, you really like to do business with people that you know. And so I am sure that that approach is really, um, you're present, you're there at conferences, you're doing all the state meetings, et cetera. So I think that, that um, I hope that, you know, pharmacists are very receptive to that. I'm sure they are. But how do you, um, you know, of course, you're, you're recommending that they can get paid for all the different things that they do. But are there any other things that you help guide and teach them uh, in regards to sustainability. Yeah, I think, um, when you, when you start this journey, uh, transitioning from a dispensing focused business model into a clinically focused business model, you have to go one step at a time. And so, you know, one thing, uh, that, you know, I think we're all pretty well aware of is that pharmacies can be a very chaotic, busy environment where a lot of things are going on. You got, you know, patients coming up to the counter to pick up prescriptions. You've got an entire, you know, uh, distribution uh, or, you know, prescription filling operations going on in the background. You're getting pulled out of workflow to provide a vaccine uh, and in counseling and everything in between. And so I think initially, you know, the, the hump to kind of get over is just this mindset shift that, you know, we can provide more clinical services if we figure out, you know, the right way to get started. And once pharmacies get started, we can see, you know, some of that, you know, clinical revenue coming in for services that you're already providing on a day to day, going back to, you know, counseling, administering vaccines, um, maybe taking a blood pressure, or just having a conversation with the patient about something like adherence. And so I think the big thing is, you know, you get started, you start, you know, showing that that this opportunity is really real. And then you make a plan for, you know, how you grow and how you expand that. And what we want to what we want to do and what we're working towards is having the clinical revenue coming into the pharmacy being really a, a lifeblood, almost a lifeline for the pharmacy to not necessarily worry so much about DIR fees or all this um, stuff that's going on uh, around the prescription side of the business that just makes it really difficult, makes it a grind. So how do we um, you know start? simple and then add complexity and, and kind of expand services and i think that's where the sustainability part comes in is you know making this you know a legitimate part of the business maybe a majority of the business that pharmacies are doing and focused on um and that that's our goal moving forward yeah yeah that's helpful so in in essence it's a little bit more of like what you envision of the pharmacy of the future or do you have any other things that, that you kind of 
see as you're looking out, you know, 10, 20 years from now in terms of the pharmacy of the future? Well, I think one of the biggest advantages we have in this situation is just the um, ubiquitous nature of pharmacists and pharmacies around the country. I mean, you know, you've heard this so many times, Hillary, that, you know, nine out of 10 Americans live within five miles of a pharmacy. That's extremely impressive. That legitimately is the most accessible healthcare provider and most accessible healthcare facility in this country. And so I think what we're seeing on a kind of a, uh, a grander scale, a global scale, is this shift to more care being provided in the ambulatory care setting, more care being provided at home. I think we're also seeing a lot of you know technology come into play here too, where you've got you know startups and you know connected devices and things that are tracking adherence and blood pressure and and heart rates and, and things that are you know that we're wearing on a day to day basis. And so, you know, patients are really the ones that are driving that activity with with devices and you know digital therapeutics and things. Um, so I think you know the pharmacists and pharmacies are going to be you know the location, the provider that is going to take us into this next generation of healthcare, where there is more care provided at the home, we can do more aging in place, uh, you know, with folks like our grandparents and and parents and support that transition, which ultimately, I think is going to lead to a ton more patient satisfaction, it's going to lead to lower cost overall for the healthcare system. And it's going to lead to better clinical outcomes for our patients. And so that's that's where I see the direction that we're heading here um, with with pharmacies. We're on that trajectory right now, but it's important that we stay um, vigilant on this mission and on this journey, so that we can all head there together. Yeah, well, I love that, um, and that paints a really exciting future um, for pharmacy. When you know there there often can be a little bit of negative negativity. Uh, in the industry, how do you, what would you tell you know student pharmacists or, or you know other pharmacists out there um, for them to kind of think more um, futuristically or um, about all the the different things, kind of change that mindset a little bit. Um, what are some things that you'd tell others to think? Yeah, I would say don't be afraid to explore your own curiosities, meaning, uh, I'll give you an example. So I, w- I was recently back in Iowa for uh, the Zeta Cooper um, Leadership Symposium, and it was well attended by students. We had a great speaker in Rena Shaw of Walgreens, and the entire environment there was extremely just exciting and encouraging. Mm-hmm. And to see students kind of walk up to us and start having these conversations about, you know, what do you know about pharmacogenomics? Or what are you trying to do um, in, in billing for services? Or have you heard of this company or that company? And that sort of energy and excitement is so encouraging as someone who's more than 10 years out from graduation now. And I think the important thing is don't be afraid to push the envelope. You're not going to talk to every every professor that you talk to or every you know mentor that you talk to is, is not going to match that excitement that you have internally. So my biggest advice is just to, to follow that passion, keep asking questions, keep pushing the envelope. And I think, you know, we'll all be in a very great place 10 years from now if, if, if y'all keep doing that. Awesome. So, Sam, congrats, because you guys were just recently listed on the, the top 140 companies enabling value-based care, which is really exciting because there's a lot of um, 
really cool startups doing things. Um, tell us about some of the things that you're looking forward to. We've talked a lot about, about pharmacies and um, things that pharmacists can do. What are some of the things that you're excited about future partnerships, maybe um, outside of the pharmacy space? Yeah, well, that's a really great question. I feel like we're in an interesting position. We've, we've been, you know, around for about five years now. And those five years were spent building a really amazing product with paying customers. And so we've done a lot of the product work to enable the things that we're trying to accomplish. And so now we're in a position where we can explore, you know, where do we want to head next? And how do we want to, you know, add things into the platform that are just going to enable pharmacists to provide more care, um, provide that care more efficiently? and maybe even expand into other stakeholders like you know primary care physicians or the prescribers in this ecosystem or how do we help pharmacies engage better with their patients and another thing i kind of alluded to back on the future of pharmacy question earlier was these connected devices and and startups and so i think the really exciting thing is you know we've got this platform now that's essentially a new age electronic health record and it's built for pharmacies and we can build this thing the way that EHR should have been from the very beginning. Now we've got we've got an interest. We're we're privileged, I guess, to have started this you know five years ago, and you know the other major companies have been around for twenty to thirty years. But you know we can build this thing the right way and uh, enable you know different apps or devices or uh, things to connect into the platform and make that useful for the pharmacy to provide better care for patients. And so I think those are the partnerships that I'm you know, truly excited about exploring in the future, as well as just really finding all the other innovators out there, You know, whether you're uh, an independent pharmacy and you're the owner and the pharmacist, and you're passionate about moving this thing forward. You know, Maybe you're a regional chain in your region within a grocery store and you're a clinical director and you really want to move things forward, but you don't know how, or you're a pharmacist at a health plan and you see what you want to accomplish. Well, let's come to the table. Let's get on a whiteboard and let's draw that vision out. Those are the most exciting parts of, of this job. And I know we're going to connect with a lot more partners like that in the near future. So that's probably what I'm most excited about. That does sound exciting. So Sam, uh, as our final question, I'd love to ask all of our guests, what is some advice that you would tell uh, others out there just getting started in their career or your younger self? I would say, uh, again, kind of going back to, you know, the advice for student pharmacies or pharmacists mm -hmm. is don't be afraid to you know, explore your interests in your passion. And, you know, one thing I've been realizing lately is like, you know, work and life are, they're, they're not, uh, you know, they're not uh, separated. Like our, our work and life is, is integrated. So you got to bring your best self to work every day and you've got to find a way to, you know, basically, you know, use your strengths and use your personality in work. And I feel like, um, I'm doing a lot more of that lately and it, it's just felt really good. And it's, um, helped me, uh, you know, continue to get up every day and be excited to go to work. And so, you know, what I'm trying to say is, you know, be yourself through and through, don't be afraid to ask different questions or strike up conversations with people that, you know, might seem a little bit weird or a little bit odd. 
because I think that helps build relationships and it helps inspire creativity. And ultimately, it's going to it's really going to help us, you know, accomplish what we want to accomplish in the future. So awesome. Well, we certainly need more curiosity and, and entrepreneurial thinking uh, coming out for the next generations of pharmacists. And so having uh, people like you to look up to and aspire to is is certainly really exciting. So where can can people uh, follow you and, and learn about DocStation so that they can hopefully sign up and, and continue to uh, expand pharmacy services? Yeah, I think the, the easiest place is uh, on the website. It's DocStation, D-O-C station, dot C-O, not dot com. Uh, and uh, if you want to learn about the product itself, but I mean, I'm more than happy to talk to folks out there that are interested in, you know, the technology space or just want to have a philosophical conversation. I love those. So the best way is just reach out by email, right? Sam, S-A-M-M at DocStation.co. Awesome. Well, Sam, it was such a pleasure to have you as a guest on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Likewise, Hillary. Thanks for having me.